We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Jaguars rule the roost in the AFC South. We've got uh, Kyron Williams coming in with a bang and an instant classic in Philly. All coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen as we break down all things important from week 12 and a couple of unimportant things as well. Nick, congratulations. Big, big win for your Jaguars. How was your Thanksgiving? How are you doing? How was your week 12? It was great, man. It was great. I, I kind of enjoyed the the way that these games were spread out, right? We obviously had the first ever Black Friday game, which was a nice little treat on Friday. Uh, you know, I had a, a full NBA slate for the most part during the week. You got a bunch of college basketball going on. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving week, I think, is underrated in the grand conversation of, of like best sporting times of the year. But yes. yeah, really fun Sunday slate and not, you know, not having any of these teams on by uh, was huge. We had six teams on by coming up in week 13. So despite having three games Thursday, one on Friday, uh, the usual Sunday, Monday slate, like it still felt like we had the full, you know, Sunday early state, four games in the late slate. Uh, but yeah, a lot of fun. I'll save my Jags thoughts for when we get into that game. Um, you know, I, I wish that Joe Burrow was uh, at 100% because boy, would we be set up for a showdown in Jacksonville uh, this coming Monday. Epic podcast XM show grudge match, but instead it's not going to be very epic at all. But uh, we are going to start right off with your your Jaguars and Texans because that was the game of the the early slate yesterday. The the one with only really any sort of heft, uh, it, it was, it, well, maybe not the only one, but it was the biggest one by far. Uh, let's just jump right into it there. So right away, I mean, Jacksonville took care of business right from the word go in this one. I, I was impressed. And what I was, you know, it, it ended up being a, a closer score at the end, but all in all, I mean, Jacksonville was the better team. I, I thought so. Um, yet, you know, being a, kind of you know self-hating Jaguars fan mm-hmm. or more so expecting the worst at all times Jaguars fan you know I'm, I'm texting my buddies during that last Texans drive being like all right you know worst case scenario Texas are getting a field goal here you know worst case scenario for me they're scoring a game-winning touchdown like at, at no point did I really have full faith or let myself believe that the Jags were actually going to close that out and they came within what like three inches uh, if that ball hits just a little bit deeper on the crossbar it probably bounces in instead of out uh, from, from going to overtime and, you know, the way the Texans offense was starting to pick up steam. I don't think that was a scenario the Jags wanted, especially on the road, but weird game overall, you know, Jacksonville jumps out to a two score lead early on. I thought they missed some pretty big opportunities to, 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 you know, really extend that lead. Obviously oh, yeah. the 
strange decision, I thought, in some ways to not just take the free points at the end of the half. I mean, you're not you're not necessarily expecting to be, even be in that position, right? You know, you're not necessarily thinking that Christian Kirk is going to rip off like a 55-yard uh, catch and run that brings him down to the one-yard line. So to me, I'm thinking, all right, you know, make this a two-score game. Take the three points. They're going to matter later on. And instead, you know, I, I don't necessarily hate the idea of going for it. I didn't like the call, though, right? You oh, I hated the this, call. Yeah, kind of this like stretch toss type of play to ETN. And he's, you know, ETN's just not the type of guy that's going to make multiple defenders miss when he doesn't have a running start. It was poorly blocked. The Texans were ready for it. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a better play call. I'm not an NFL play caller, but um, didn't really love that one. I mean, it, the way that they've been so effective with the Trevor Lawrence QB sneaks this season, you know, whether it's at the goal line, like we saw with Lawrence reaching over for his third rushing touchdown in the last two weeks, or just picking up, you know, third, fourth and shorts. Like that's kind of been their go-to play especially the last few weeks. And I thought that would have been a good spot to, to roll that out. But, you know, they left some points on the board for sure. We had the Calvin Ridley weekly touchdown drop in the back of the end zone on a dime from Trevor Lawrence. Christian Kirk had a huge drop yeah. late in the game. Uh, it was just kind of one of those instances. I, I don't know if you were watching this one live or on Red Zone, Jeff, where it was a great throw from Lawrence, great route by Kirk, but it brought him like right into the one spot on the field where the windows at the Texan stadium allow the, show, <laughs> the sun to shine through. It's like, it's on Kirk. You got to bring that in, but it was also thrown like where the sun was directly in his eyes. Um, so it was for as big of a day as it was for Trevor Lawrence, I think you could argue this was his best game of the season, maybe of his career, uh, you know, in terms of generating big plays, it could have been even bigger. I mean, the Jags left at least one touchdown and probably 60 to 70 yards on the table and drops. Yeah. Houston, uh, Houston has that issue. I didn't realize they did, but Indy and Dallas always have that issue with the indoor yep. stadium and the light coming through and blinding you. Dallas is notorious for that on like Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was weird. Uh, yeah. You think Peterson would have drawn up the Duval special instead of just the run up to the line, hurry and snap it when you're not rushed. It wasn't like there was a running clock here. Yeah. Um, and then that outside run, especially because ETN hadn't been running the ball very well. In fact, Not neither team ran the ball worth a damn at all in this game. Uh, Houston didn't even try. Uh, we'll get to them in a second here, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was an odd play call. I didn't like it either. Um, I would have liked to seen some sort of Lawrence run pass option, but you know, easier said than done, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, and yet that the Jacksonville is the better team. It's so funny because Ridley was not even like a notion in the first half. Right. I, I think all of his targets came in the second half, maybe one target before halftime. Uh, yeah. And then in the second half, he goes off and he goes five for 89. So you get yours. But we thought it was going to be like the New Orleans game all over again, where, you know, Kirk's going off and mm -hmm. they didn't, we didn't even have, uh, you know, some of the other guys around. Uh, who's my favorite uh, guy that uh, who, guy I was the, the Paul Agnew. Yes, Agnew's on the ice. Well, he's, he's injured, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the fumbles have not been an issue for him. But, no, you're right. I mean, the, the drop touchdown did come with about, I think, two and a half minutes left in the second quarter. So that would have been the big one for Ridley. But he got in on the action mm -hmm. in the second half. Ended up being the Jags' leading receiver, five for 89 and a touchdown, uh, and a, a nice slant route on a third down. Ended up getting the two-point conversion just after that as well. So he, he kind of he was able to bounce back from the drop. And you could tell – I mean, it's, it's eating at him. Like, I think he knows the narrative, right? I mean, he slammed his helmet yeah. down. He was distraught on the bench. Like, I, I don't think this is one where, you know, I saw some commentary on Twitter. It's like, well, it's a slight overthrow by, by Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's basically the same discussion that we had with Valdez Scantling uh, this past week with, with Kansas City. It's like, yeah, it's not a 100 out of 100 catch, but if you're an elite receiver like Calvin Ridley, or you're supposed to be an elite receiver, that's a catch you got to make. But, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest stories 
from this game is both offenses, I, I thought, and especially Jacksonville, were, were exceptionally well-prepared and especially well-schemed yep. in the passing game. I mean, it, there were big plays all over the place for both sides. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had seven completions for 180 yards just on passes that traveled at least 10 air yards. And that's not counting, you know, some of the long catches and runs that they had uh, in this game. Nine players across both teams had a catch of at least 20 yards. Four different Jaguars had a catch of at least 40 yards. Yep. Yep. That's And the thing is, like, after the Niners game, there was a lot of hand-wringing. There was a lot of, okay, he's not a top-10 quarterback. He's not a top-10 fantasy quarterback for sure. Yeah. And then the last two weeks, he's gone off. Uh, at halftime, he had over 200 yards. Uh, none to Ridley. That was the thing that was pretty amazing, too, uh, that they were able to do that. They got on track together in the second half. Good timing, indeed. Uh, they come on strong here at the end of the season. <laughs> Uh, fantasy playoffs around the corner. If you, if you're alive and you've got him, he he's, he's pretty much a comfortable start going forward there. A yeah. uh, big matchup at home against Cincy on Monday night coming up and a reeling Bengals team that just gave up over 400 yards to the Steelers, uh, which we know is a significant number. We'll get to that. Uh, I don't really want to dwell on that right now. I will say Darrenus Johnson isn't a bad speculative pickup right now. Um, because ETN left briefly. Yeah. Um, and he's clearly, the number two guy in line. Bigsby is just a rumor now. Uh, Ern, uh, Johnson had that 142-yard catch. That was huge. Um, on the Houston side of things, Devin Singletary, six carries. Damian Pierce, five carries. Singletary had been running the ball so well. That was one of the things that had kind of changed for this Houston offense. And they gave this, they gave up on this in a hurry. Now, is it because of the game flow? Is this, I mean, you're obviously watching every snap of this game. They were behind most of the time, and Jacksonville does stop the run very well. Is this just like a game flow opponent sort of thing? Um, what's your take on this? I, I think it was a little bit of both, uh, but mostly game flow, right? I mean, neither Singletary nor Pierce were were overly effective early on when they tried to get the run going. I mean, they I think they combined for about two point nine yards per carry, and you know Jacksonville led. I wouldn't say comfortably, but by one to two scores, basically the entire game. So Houston was mm-hmm. in, was in catch up mode and. Uh, it was especially obvious in the second half where, you know, multiple like third and, and even fourth and short situations, you know, Houston's lining up in, in shotgun and they're you know motioning the back out. Like they weren't even feigning the run at any point, but we did see CJ Stroud, you know, get loose six for 47 and a rushing touchdown for him. Uh, I mean, I, I remain just amazed. Like he took four sacks in this game and two of them were huge at the end by Josh Allen, who is very quietly, you know, pushing for probably a second team. Monster all year. Season. I mean, he is single-handedly keeping that Jags defensive line, intact the Jags got a ton of pressure throughout this game they, they were just like constantly overrunning CJ Stroud you know Trayvon Walker had like five chances I thought to sack Stroud and just kind of missed uh and Stroud's ability to you know he's not he's not like Lamar Jackson or, or Josh Allen or anything like that but he's just so calm at all times like it, it's it's not you know rolling out all over the place and you know doubling back and it's you know scrambling around it's more just these subtle movements in the pocket to create space I, I came away even more impressed with Stroud than I already was uh, you know, really nice day for him. 26 of 36 for two touchdowns. I mean, it says a lot that at the end of the game, when they're down three, like I'm fully expecting CJ Stroud to lead them, you know, not only into field goal range, but possibly do a touchdown, right? He's done it so many times already this season. Like how many rookie quarterbacks can you really say that about that you're that right. scared of in that situation? And, you know, they, they had a couple of key drops late in the game, you know, some, a, a little bit of weird play calling. Like I think they got away from the run to an extreme degree. Like I know Jacksonville's a, a very good defense, but I still think you could pick up one yard on a third and one against this defense. You don't need to be dropping back and, and sending four or five guys out on routes in those situations. And I think it became a little bit predictable at the end of the game for Jacksonville. Uh, but it, it led to another huge day 
through the air for Nico Collins, for Devin Singletary, for Tank Dell. All those guys went off. Uh, you know, Tank Dell very quietly wide receiver 14 now on the year. Nico Collins is wide receiver 16. I don't think we thought in any world that the Texans would be producing two borderline top 15 fantasy receivers uh, in PPR formats this year. And then, you know, also mentioned the, you know, the Jags pass catchers going off. I mean, it was, it was to the point where Luke Farrell rumbled for like a 42 yard gain at one point. I mean, guys were just running all over the place on this Texans defense. Uh, you mentioned the ETN injury he was banged up in the second quarter, came back, barely played in the fourth. It was like notably not on the field during some huge plays on yep. the Jags final two drives. So that is something to monitor. I, I don't think, I don't think the expectation is he misses time, but if he does, you know, I, I think you, you want to go get Dearness Johnson for a week. Uh, and Cam Robinson uh, also left this game, the Jags best offensive lineman. So that's something to monitor. Absolutely. Uh, Alan Soslowski asked this of me when we were doing sneaky ads, but Tank Dell, Nico Collins, how early do they go next year? Man, I, I almost feel like Tank Dell's. I, I mean, I think so, right? I mean, I think I think there's going to be a ton of hype around Tank Dell specifically, right? Especially yeah. if he keeps this up over the next few weeks. Uh, you know, just the, the, the youth kind of coming in with C.J. Stroud, this narrative that C.J. Stroud was like pushing the front office to draft this guy. I mean, he looks... I was reading a you know kind of a fantasy recap article this morning, and they referred to him as a potentially generational talent. And I was like, man, that, that seems strong for Tank Dell. But at the same time, man, I think you, you kind of have to throw the like the draft pedigree out the window at this point. Like if he was drafted in the first round, we we would you know we'd be saying, yeah, he's doing what we expected. I mean, he has been he's been as good as any receiver that went ahead of him, if not better. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Chargers, which we'll refer to later, are you know getting what they're getting from Quentin Johnston. At least he didn't have a killer drop this week. Uh, yeah. So there is that. But yeah, it, it's 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 got to be super frustrating there. And you can they had the head to head comparison Johnston versus Zay Flowers, and uh, yeah, and Tank Dell's another one of those. So too, uh, Admiral Nita asks, uh, is this the end for both Pierce and Singletary considering the schedule? Uh, Pierce, yeah. I mean, I, I have him in the stake league. That's going to be buying stakes. Uh, but uh, Singletary, I'm not you know writing him off. He was catching plenty of passes yeah. yesterday, and. There'll be other games. There'll be other games. I understand this Denver game. I think they'll run the ball a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I still think you can run on Denver. Uh, I mean, the schedule is tough, though, right? If you're just looking at like rush defenses specifically, Denver, the Jets, the Titans, the Browns, the Titans again, uh, and then the Colts in week 18, which, you know, might not really matter for fantasy purposes. But yeah, I, I think Pierce, you, you could cut, kind of cut bait on that dream if you haven't already. You probably already did a few weeks ago. Uh, but if you just look at the snaps, I mean, Devin Singletary played 49 snaps in this game, Damian Pierce 11. So if there's if there's one back to hold on to, it's clearly Singletary. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next headline game. Uh, and it's not a great game, but it it had noteworthy things. And that's uh, the Rams and Cardinals um, because of Kyron Williams. Man, he's a top 10 back again. I, I thought they'd ease him in a little bit. So did no, I. They, there was no easing in. He... He was out single-handedly outgaining the Cardinals for a good stretch of this game. Uh, and I got to say, I was not just wrong, but aggressively wrong on this game. I thought Arizona was going to win this game. I thought I was so unimpressed with the Rams offense, yeah. but getting Williams back changed everything. I, you know, did a, a cowardly hedge in my picks article where I was like, you know, I, I wrote it on Tuesday this past week because of the holiday. And at that time, we had no idea if Cooper Cup or Puka Dakua were going to play. And I said, if, if one of those guys is out, the Cardinals are winning this game. If both of them are out, they're absolutely winning. It turned out they both played it. And that was not the reason that the Rams you know, ran away with this one. I mean, this game was over uh, early in the fourth quarter. And it, it to me, it, it played out very similarly to most of Arizona's games this year. But they got off to a hot start. You know, they drove right down the field after giving up a touchdown on the Rams' first drive. They go down. They they get the two-point conversion. I don't, I don't really know why. Just, just kind of a, you know. 
we got nothing to lose. We're, we're trying yeah. to send a message. It's eight to seven early on. And, you know, they, they, they really didn't do anything in the first half after that. I mean, it's three and out, three and out, four and out, another three and out. And all of a sudden it's 21 to eight by the end of the half. But Arizona, you know, they, they come out strong. It feels like the, like the scripted plays that Jonathan Gannon has ready at the beginning of these games tend to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get excited. You think we're getting a shootout. And then, you know, this is now what, three weeks in a row where they've kind of wilted in the second half, but Kyron Williams is a story, man. I mean, 204 scrimmage yards, two touchdowns, 8.9 yards per carry on the ground. He had 120 yards in the first half alone. Uh, you know, it, Arizona was just, you know, they're not built to come from behind, right? You know, no. I think they're a team that they want to get James Conner involved. They couldn't really do that. I thought both he and Michael Carter ran pretty well in this game. It just didn't matter. It was too little, too late. Uh, you know, Royce Freeman got some garbage time work. He goes 13 for 77 and a touchdown for the Rams, but yeah, a game that they won almost completely on the ground, even with four four passing touchdowns from Matthew Stafford. Like those were just kind of finishing off the drives. Yep, indeed. And Stafford was like hyper efficient early on. He was having himself a day. Uh, Tyler Higby got in the end zone not once but twice. Both the, the his first two touchdowns of the year. Uh, notice that we're not mentioning the two receivers, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, combined for thirty five yards on seven catches. Cup got banged up early in this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him questionable again heading into this upcoming yeah. week. Uh, that's that's going to be frustrating. Uh, but yeah, it, this was just it was over. I mean, it, it just even Zach Evans got on the field. Uh, they 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 straight up waved Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson yeah. then re-signed to the practice squad. But you know, Williams is back and he he's an auto start now the rest of the year. I think he has to be. I, I'm still, as you probably are, skeptical of this Rams team. I, I, I still don't really love the personnel overall. I'd be very mm-hmm. interested to see you know, how they look against that Browns defense at home this coming week. I think that's going to be a fascinating game. After that, they're on the road at Baltimore. Uh, so still an uphill battle. they, they got to play San Francisco again later in the year uh, as far as you know, trying to get one of those wild card spots in the NFC. I think that's still pretty unlikely. But um, you know, c- considering all the attrition that they've had, I mean, Cooper Cup, it feels like, this is what three weeks in a row where he's, he's played, but been banged up. I mean, it just feels like he's barely ever been at hundred percent since coming back. And obviously Nakua has cooled off quite a bit since the start of the year, but they, they just find ways they find ways. I mean, I, I think they're back to at least being a team that will beat the bad teams and, you know, maybe split against teams that are about equal with them. Uh, but I, I don't have a whole lot of other notes from this game on the Arizona side. Trey McBride, you know, continues to be a very viable tight end starter every single week, uh, mm-hmm. 13 fantasy points for him. That counts as somewhat of a down game. Uh, you know, he's got two 20 plus point fantasy games in PPR over the last five. I, I think we got to view him as a pretty easily, you know, top 10 tight end the rest of the way, maybe on the lower end of that. Yeah. Uh, he's been in my top 10 regularly in the value meter. I don't see that changing, especially uh, as others are kind of like drifting off. Like uh, we met, I saw uncle Ted mention in the comments that uh, Schoonmaker is hurting J- uh, Ferguson, and that is true for Dallas. So yep. that that is one where it, it's getting watered down. And yeah, I, I see McBride being a top ten guy the rest of the way. Greg Dorch had nine targets uh, with Michael Wilson out. I could see that continuing a little bit there. They drop at Pittsburgh next week, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, one other Arizona note: Kyler Murray had the rushing touchdown. Nick, that was his only run, uh, and I I think that was probably something that. And he got sacked four times, was pressured, yeah. obviously, plenty of times. So that might have something that that, that might be part of the problem, too. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line is bad. We, we know that for Arizona. But uh, still a little bit surprising that they're not getting him more involved in designed runs. I and mean, we saw almost none of that. Uh, you know, he, he scored on the same play that he did, I think it was two weeks ago, You know, kind of that read option that he's as good as anybody uh, at, at kind of making that last-second decision. And he just walked into the end zone 
for their first touchdown in the first quarter. So, you know, it could be something where, you know, I, I think game script obviously played a part of it when you're down two or three scores, you don't need Kyler Murray taking any hits. Um, but something I, I think Arizona should consider getting in earlier in these game plans, because I, I, maybe part of it is just overall protection of Kyler Murray when you're a two and 10 team. I, I get that. Um, but, you know, in a game like this, like, you're going to need that element from Kyler Murray when you're dealing with ultimately a pretty underwhelming group of pass catchers outside of Marquise Brown and Trey McBride. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, let's move on to uh, the marquee game of the week, at least over the weekend. And that was uh, Philly Buffalo. Heck Ooh. of a game. Uh, you had a lot of different elements there. Uh, great play by Buffalo early. Incredible comeback by the Eagles, despite a terrible two-minute drill. Awful officiating. Weather was an issue. All sorts of stuff going on there. Yeah, bad officiating all over the league uh, this weekend. And this game, I think, was kind of the cherry on top. And we didn't mention in the Jags game, the the interception that Trevor Lawrence threw was like one of the most obvious defensive holdings that you'll ever see where Evan Ingram yes. is getting his, his jersey tugged. And it was, it was a great play by Lawrence. It's a play that you see, you know, smart veteran quarterbacks make all the time where you're you're throwing it specifically so the referee makes that call. And he stared right at him and didn't make it. And, yeah, we had a couple of those situations in this game. I mean, Josh Allen – uh, was it a should have been a horse collar and then somehow turned into like an intentional grounding call? Yes, um, yes, that, yeah, all, a, all in the same play. There, there, there was a whole lot of things going on there. Uh, the, I thought the Sunday night game might have been the worst ref game of them all. Um, yeah. Chargers got hosed royally twice early on in that game. Um, one was a huge changing play, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's just really bad all around. But all together, I mean, I mean, Eagles found a way yet again. Just like the Monday night game against the Chiefs, yep. also in the rain, they also found a way where they should have probably lost. Uh, now, granted, Marquez Valdez, Scant Marquez Valdez Scantling had a did a lot to do that there. Mm -hmm. um, you know the the Bills. I mean, they just came up with huge drives all day, all game long. This was this was the Bills offense that we wanted to see all year long. This was a this was a fun offense to watch. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen threw his what eight games in a row now with an interception. So that's going to go on his ledger, but I thought yeah. he played, he played a fantastic game, you know, 29 of 51. You're not going to say that's like the greatest game he's, he's ever put out there, but considering the conditions, you know, when we say rain game, I mean, it was, it was raining hard this entire yep. game. And I, I thought, you know, in that situation, you, you would think Philly would be the team that would benefit, especially at home. And I, I thought Buffalo actually handled the elements better. Uh, it didn't really seem to affect Josh Allen whatsoever. And, you know, Gabe Davis, I thought made some huge catches, in this game, there's a miscommunication, you know, on a big third down in overtime that basically could have won it if he and Allen had been on the same page. But for a guy who's who struggled with drops, you know, throughout his career, for this to be the game where he's bringing in tough catch after tough catch, I was pretty impressed there. Uh, saw a good stat uh, earlier today, Jeff, that the the Buffalo Bills became the fourth team ever in NFL history to win the turnover battle, put up 500 plus yards of offense, outgain the opponent by at least 125 yards and still lose, which is just kind of becoming a hallmark of this Bills season. Yeah. And Jake Elliott, I mean, how can we not just Ooh. sing his praises? I mean, holy crap, 60-yard field goal into the, in that rain. I'm just when, when Bass was missing kicks, that wind was a problem all day. I mean, the conditions were awful. The Eagles, I mean, they ran the Seattle Seahawks uh, uh, game plan from a week ago in the two-minute drill just – just hurt my brain seeing him call a running play there like that. Uh, and, and with 30 seconds left, burn their last time out. Yep. Then they had a false start, which by the way, would have been another running play. And then they did the short throw, which would have been yep. horrific too. It, it was just awful, awful play calling. 
Well, they had another false start too, right? I mean, there were two yeah, on two Kelsey within within yeah. like a three play span. So, I mean, obviously it didn't end up mattering. Jake Elliott bangs home a 59 yarder in the rain. Uh, I actually, I was wondering, it's like, are they going to fake this? You know, like this just, just seems like a little bit too long. I, I actually had that same thought in the, the Jags Texans game as well. I, I thought it was a somewhat surprising decision by Houston to line up for that. And, and instead of just kind of trying to air it out with Stroud or, or try something crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, that should have been, you know, probably a 49-yard field goal or, or even a 54-yard field goal if you don't have those two weird plays, very uncharacteristic mm-hmm. of Jason Kelsey, just kind of flinching. And, you know, it's something that as you're watching, you're like, does that really matter? But look, it was the right call. Both of them were the right call. Um, you know, I, just two, yeah, strange play calling by the Eagles late. I, I did, I think it was second and 15, uh, you know, after the reversal uh, on the, the A.J. Brown, was it a fumble, was it not play? Uh, you know, I, I actually liked the call to run Hurts up the middle because it felt like they weren't really doing that a whole lot. And, and, you know, I didn't know if Buffalo would be prepared for it. Just was not well blocked whatsoever. And that put the Eagles up against the wall. And I mean, what, what did you think the chances were that he made that field goal? I was thinking, what, 10, 15 percent, two, three. I mean, yeah. it's Elliot it no got a history of making great kicks, but my God, the conditions were yeah. horrible. Uh, yeah. Although it's so funny. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts. The, the Texans have C.J. Stroud. But let's put the hands in the game in the, in the hands of Elliot and Matt Amendola. Uh, I mean, Amendola, they kept on dutifully informing us. He's never kicked one before yeah. more than 49 yards. Even in high school, he's gone 51 or something like that. Yeah. And of course, they line him up for the 58 yard or put the season on the line for that. At least Elliot has had the history of mm-hmm. making some pretty clutch kicks. So a uh, little different there, but still uh, just, just wild, wild game. Mm-hmm. Um, Swift was kind of neutralized a little bit in this game. Uh, just just the, the 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 some of the throws though like just in that comeback there you know hurts yeah. mates was throwing some dimes i mean yeah. that that one to zacchaeus was the only thing Ooh. zacchaeus did all day but oh my gosh what a throw that that reminded me of the final play in the the alabama auburn game too just kind of oh fighting him gosh. in the back of the end zone yeah. and that was that was throw that was thrown to a spot where only zacchaeus could get it you know pretty decent coverage all things considered by the bills and just a hell of a throw by Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith had just you know huge catch after huge catch. Yep. You know, a lot of those coming on second and longs, third downs late in the game. He was fantastic. Pretty quiet day overall for AJ Brown. Did have a touchdown in the second half to to save a decent fantasy day, but he was not really a huge part of this game. You could say the same thing for Stephon Diggs. He put up more yards than AJ Brown, but it was it was more of a Gabe Davis show on the Buffalo side of things. Um, you, know, you mentioned DeAndre Swift. Didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, had a huge run in overtime. You know, broke a yeah, couple of tackles, got to the outside, and, and ended up setting up. I think they scored on the next play uh, on the Jalen Hurts run, which you know, a couple of Eagles in the post game said, you know, we 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 couldn't believe Buffalo gave us that look on defense. He said they knew when they broke the huddle and they saw how Buffalo was lining up. They're like, we knew we were going to score because that play is automatic when we see that look. Uh, so the Eagles had kind of been sitting on that. I think for the entire game. Uh, just a, a, an escape, uh, another escape by the Eagles. I think to compare it to last week against Kansas City is very accurate. Uh, I mean, the Bills ran 92 plays. They ran 27 more plays than Philly in this game. You still lose. Buffalo 13 of 22 on third downs. It felt like for a while there they were converting every third and six. You know, a lot of nice plays by Josh Allen uh, in those situations. But, man, the Bills sitting at six and six now. You got to go to Kansas City uh, next week. You, you got the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Pats, and the Dolphins remaining on that schedule. I, I still think Buffalo makes the playoffs somehow. I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I, I still think they get in. And my, my nightmare scenario is that they're the seventh seed and they have to, they have to play the Jags in the first round. Yeah, that would, that would be awful. That would, that would, would really, be horrible. really I, would, be awful. I, I personally, I'll say it. I'd rather play the Colts or the Broncos. Yeah, of course. Of course you would. 
Um, although the Broncos will get to them, but they're kind of they're they're ascending at least. They're they're very interesting. I think the Colts, I mean, you obviously you know how to beat the Colts. There, there's no doubt about that one there. Uh the Eagles have the best record in football, but they don't have the best Super Bowl odds, even in the NFC. Uh if you go like to uh Rotowire's odds page, you see that San Francisco has better odds. Yep. They play each other next week, of course. Uh speaking of that Super Bowl, um, our, one of our sponsors is Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports, the big game bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right, Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We've uh, gone 28 minutes on three games. Let's accelerate this pace just ever so slightly. But we did hit the three biggest games. Indy Tampa Bay turned out to have some heft. It didn't quite go to carnival shootout mode, but it was an offensive game and not offensive like uh, the other four early games. Uh, this one actually had some fun offense. Uh, the Colts, I actually think they're they're kind of good. Uh, they're, so they're six and five now. They're they're currently a wild card team. They're they're an extremely fun team to watch, and I, I did not see that coming whatsoever. Obviously, Gardner Minshew you know brings a, an entertaining element wherever he goes, but normally it's like bad entertaining in terms of the final result. Uh, but he, he continues to pick up steam. I mean, threw a pick in this one, should have had another. Uh, it was a great play by the receiver to, to end up jarring that loose. So he's still yep. he's still good for like two or three Jameis throws per game where you're just wondering, <laughs> you know, what the hell is going on here. But this was a game that, that Indy was able to win on the ground. And I didn't see that coming. You know, when we were previewing this on the show last week, I, I, I thought, you know, Vita Vea and that Bucks defensive line would, would kind of force Gardner Minshew to beat them. And Minshew did throw the ball 41 times, which is probably more than you want if you're the Colts. But Jonathan Taylor... 15 for 91 and two touchdowns. Zach Boss got his eight for 55, you know, over 150 rushing yards for the Colts. That's significantly more than I expected. Tampa yeah. Bay even ran the ball okay, you know, 100 yard day for Rashad White, which, you know, happens once in a blue moon at this point. Um, but yeah, the, the Colts are kind of back to, you know, where they were before that, you know, disaster of a New England game, which they won. But that was the only game this year where they have not scored at least 20 points. So they got back on that track. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. Pretty gutty performance. You know, the numbers weren't great. Uh, you know, did throw a, a bad pick and, uh, you know, accounted for one of their their two turnovers on, on the lost fumble as well. Uh, but I, I thought he was going to go out of this game, you know, early on. It looked like he, he had suffered, you know, a somewhat major injury. We saw a couple snaps of Kyle Trask, <coughs> excuse me, and then Baker was able to come back in and and make this a game in the second half. Uh, you know, another nice day for Mike Evans, who now is up to wide receiver eight on the year. He goes six for 70 and two touchdowns, but I think you're right. I think the Colts have a, a absolutely have a shot to sneak into the playoffs. I, I think the AFC South could somehow have three playoff teams, which nobody expected. And, and obviously the attrition, you know, for a team like Cincinnati and the bills, you know, being below their level uh, is part of the reason for that. But yeah, the, the Colts are, are very well coached and it's an offense that despite a relative lack of playmakers, you know, it was a good day for, for Michael Pittman, but he hasn't had a ton of those this year. Uh, it seems like they've really found somebody in Josh Downs. You know, he goes five for 43 despite being banged up. Uh, they're a team that could kind of hang in with anybody. 
Yeah, they hit the road for three of their uh, for three of their next four games at Tennessee, at Cincy, home against the Steelers, at Atlanta, uh, home against the Raiders, home against the Texans to finish. So, uh, not not a terrible schedule either there. Um, so no. viable at least. They won't be huge underdogs, and even they might be underdogs, but it'll be uh, within the margin of error. So uh, we'll see about that one there. But um, interesting to me, Jonathan Taylor didn't catch any passes, didn't even get targeted. Uh, Rashad White, only two targets in the passing game, despite the 100-yard rushing. And we usually expect to see his production in the air, but that didn't quite happen. Baker Mayfield, you mentioned, uh, got banged up. He had an MRI on his ankle today, uh, came back negative. He is listed as questionable, but uh, there's because they're in the NFC South, which is the NFC but South, um, they're still alive. Atlanta, right. New Orleans, whatever. They're not going to run away. They, they they host Carolina this week. A good chance to get well. So they're not dead yet. Oh, not even close. Not even close. I mean, they're only a game back of Atlanta and New Orleans. I mean, the Saints looked horrific yesterday. We'll get to that game in a moment. I mean, Tampa Bay has somehow lost, what, six of their last seven. And they're very much in this. You know, they should get a win against Carolina at home. I think they're five or six point favorites in that one. They're at Atlanta in a game that could go a long way toward deciding the division. They, they do get Carolina twice, you know, over these last six games, which is massive. Um, and really that, you know, they, they play Jacksonville on Christmas Eve. That's one that you, as of right now, is probably looking like a loss. But I, I think the rest of those are, are very, very winnable for this Bucks team, which I, I don't know how they keep doing it. Like they're not, they're not really a fun watch. You know, they'll put together one or two, like really impressive drives per game. Uh, where you, you kind of see some of the potential uh, beneath the surface with this team. But, uh, you know, overall, still just a, a bit of a talent drain, I think, over the last couple of years, you know, thinking back to just that Super Bowl team with Tom Brady. And we should mention, I mean, they were they were extremely banged up on the defensive side. I actually thought the Colts yep. could have put up more points in this one. I mean, you're down two corners, you're down Levante David. Uh, you know, all things considered, I think the Bucks actually played okay, especially with the banged up Baker. Yeah, I mean, what did you expect them to do this year? That's the thing. And they're playing hard. Um, mm-hmm. There's plenty of derpy teams in the NFL. This is this is definitely a high-end derpy team, yes. if not derpy at all. Um, and, and they're entertaining enough. They, they they have some games that end up being shots. The Houston game was really fun, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll watch Baker's status, though. Uh, he, you know, We did see Kyle Trask make one throw, which was just let a guy too far after Pat. Yeah, it was Pat actually Pat not a bad throw. Yeah. Just to let him, just a little, if he gets rid of it, just like a nanosecond earlier, he can get two feet down, but mm. it wasn't terrible. Let's stick in the South. Uh, let's stick in that Atlanta, New Orleans game. Uh, Speaking of, t- okay, so I would rather watch Tampa than than uh, Atlanta any day. Um, yeah. Even though Atlanta might is a better team, but barely. I still think they're a fraud. I think the Saints are frauds too. Um, boy, I'm really selling this, these teams, but it's not my job to sell. It's my job to recap here. Um, ah, they won, I guess. And new Orleans, it's just, they settled for field goals all day long. Uh, Derek Carr somehow threw for 300 yards. They didn't score a touchdown. Uh, it was a weird game. Uh, what else do you expect? Right. Uh, you know, in my, my pickup league that I reference all the time, confidence points, this was the, the most obvious, like one pointer I've had all year. And I, I think I'm now, like 0 for 21, trying to pick either of these teams any given week. And we're not even talking spreads. We're just talking straight up winners. Like every time I I think, all right, this is the spot for New Orleans to win. They have a game like this. And, and the same goes for Atlanta. I mean, really what it came down to was it wasn't Atlanta necessarily outplaying the Saints who got all their points on five Blake Groupie field goals. It was New Orleans going 0 and 5 in the red zone with a yep. pick six and a devastating Taysom Hill fumble at about the 10-yard line. I mean, those were two drives where – I guess at the very least, you're tacking on two more Blake Groupie field goals 
Uh, but they, I mean, the car pick was unconscionable. I mean, it was just a, it didn't even look Jesse Bates, you know, came over for a pretty easy interception untouched the rest of the way. Even if Jesse Bates isn't there and there's one-on-one coverage, I still think that might've been picked by the, I by was the just going to say that it was, yeah. just, I don't know what he was looking at. I mean, at the very least that's, that's knocked out. No question. And it might've been picked. So that, it was just, you know, you get one or two of those car plays every single week. And that was, that was among his worst throws of the entire year. Uh, and then Taysom Hill, it's like, we, we talk about him all the time, you know, kind of rumbling through and he has this unique ability to just kind of truck anybody depending on their, or regardless of their size. And it was, it was a nice hard run by Taysom Hill who made some plays in this game, but uncharacteristic, you know, of him to put the ball on the ground in that spot. So I, I think New Orleans left at least 10, if not 14 points on the board there. You know, Desmond Ritter was, was not great in this game. He had two picks of his own, 13 of 21. Did make a really nice, you know, kind of back foot throw, uh, lobbing it over the defense to Bijan Robinson for a touchdown. Uh, Chris Olave had a huge first half, uh, got banged up early in the second half, left with a concussion. Uh, so we kind of had a skeleton crew of pass catchers for most of this game for New Orleans with no Michael Thomas. I was I was all fired up. Like I, I, got, I got A.T. Perry going in all my DFS lineups. He played 53 snaps and had only two targets. Yeah, and and with everybody out, Rashid Shahid got hurt with a quad injury. Yep. Juwan Johnson got banged up in this game. You mentioned Thomas is out for you know, for maybe the year, definitely on IR right now. And who knows what's going on with Thomas? There was you know that arrest happened and kind of just got brushed under the rug because then he got hurt right after that. And anyhow, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, they're a strange team, very strange team. Yeah, I mean, it, it was to the point where uh, Lynn Bowden was involved in the offense. I actually made, made a couple of nice plays yes. on the ground. Uh, you may remember him as the former Kentucky quarterback. I think he was drafted by the Raiders and was like traded before ever even playing in a game. Didn't make it to week one with the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, uh, you know, kind of a gadgety, you know, unique type of player. I mean, got has some taste in Hill in him. So you can see why the Saints might be attracted to that. But, you know, yes. still not really somebody we need to. <laughs> we, need we need one more gadget ourselves. guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot else to say here. I mean, I, I will note. We got the we got the split. I think that we want maybe maybe not quite in strong or as strongly in favor of Bijan uh, as you prefer, but thirty nine snaps for Robinson, eighteen for Algier, uh, and then we actually saw a fair amount of Cordero Patterson who played sixteen snaps. Yeah, and in this instance, they all ran well, so it's hard to really complain too much mm-hmm. when it's working, right? They ran for two hundred twenty eight yards. Yeah, that- this is the Falcons' model, right? Hold hold yep. to field goals and just run the ball and run clock. Hope that Ritter can't hurt you that much. He threw two picks, um, didn't take any sacks at least. But yeah, QB rating's not great. Still better than cars, but uh, yeah. Uh, it just, car somehow had a terrible 300-yard game. You know, it's just, it's just uh, and granted, I'll grade on the curve because he lost Olave for the full second half, but Olave looked so unlocked. That's the thing that's so frustrating. Um, anyways, uh, we'll move on to... Uh, the Carolina Tennessee game. Uh, note, I'm, I'm avoiding one particular game here. I, I will get to it eventually, but um, let's stick in the NFC South. Hey, Carolina fired their coach today. Frank Reich had no chance, none, none chance. Was forced to draft Bryce Young. You mentioned this. Houston said they would have taken him anyhow, but, uh, or maybe Alan mentioned that. I always get, forget who mentioned yeah. that previously, but um, Houston did say they would have taken Young over Stroud too, for what it's worth. But David Tepper is a meddlesome owner, and you know he he's he's got he's graduating beyond his Jerry Jones starter kit at this point in time. Um, mm-hmm. It's Carolina just looks. They're, they're, what's the point of Carolina? I, I just I guess it's just so other teams can you know it exists so other teams can play games. You know I was watching Auburn Alabama 
on on Saturday, and you know they they kind of ran some like you know past highlights of these of those teams matching up, and obviously Bryce Young had been a part of a couple of those games, and some of the throws that he was making at Alabama, you're just like, where where is this? Like this is a completely yeah. different guy than we're seeing in the NFL, and I, I I'm still not you know out on Bryce Young. I, I think he's just in a an underratedly disastrous situation. You know, I, I think the way that you know Trevor Lawrence and and everything devolved with with Urban Meyer a few years ago. It was obvious early on that it was dysfunctional. I think I think with Carolina, it kind of took us a while to realize, like, man, this is a really, really bad situation. And I, I think it starts with the owner. Like, I'm not surprised whatsoever that Frank Reich is out midway through the season. It's like, what what is the point of this at this point? Like, yep. you're not there's nothing to salvage right now. You you know you don't even have your own first round pick. Like, I, I don't I don't really see the point of firing someone, especially like someone like Frank Reich, who ultimately is like pretty steady as far as presences go. You know, like, I, I don't think he's a guy that was like you know hated in the locker room in the way that Josh McDaniels was with the Raiders where it just felt like something had to give there. Uh, you know, there's a, a great tweet from a Panthers beat writer after the game that said, you know, David Tepper like charged his way into the locker room, I walked out that. and then, and then just screamed the F word in front of a yes. bunch of reporters. So uh, once I saw that, I, I thought maybe the, <laughs> he gone. Yeah, for, for Frank Reich. I mean, what, what was it? Four or five weeks ago, you know, Frank Reich had that bizarre press conference where he just looked like a, a sad puppy. It was like, yeah, you know, after every loss, I have to go meet with the owner and, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't fun. It hasn't been a fun yeah. season. Uh, so I I think in some ways he's probably relieved. I mean, this was just a, a bad fit. I, I don't know who's going to want to go and coach this team. It's like, I, I think there are still plenty of people out there who, who think they can salvage Bryce Young. And I, I would be uh, of that belief as well. I, I don't really think he's the core issue here. But I mean, you have an owner now that we have to kind of put in like the Jim Ursay category of just, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And ultimately, Jim Ursay loves his team so much and always wants the best for his team as, as much of a weirdo as he is. Whereas it feels like Tepper's meddling is like a, a little bit more uh, it's a little bit more impactful as far as like the product on the field. I mean, this is a team that, I mean, especially not having your first round pick, man. I mean, they're like, how do they get better? Yeah, it's going to, it's, it's bad. It's going to be a long overhaul now for this team. Uh, yeah. Th- you know, I, there was a brief phase in my life where I used to watch pro wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. I just did. I miss outed myself on that, but the concept of a jobber, that's what Carolina is right now. They they are there to do the job and put somebody else over, um, and that's what they did. I, my, okay, let's talk about Tennessee real quick because they're kind of just uh, what's their point of a franchise too right now. Um, they won. They won at home. That's what they do, but they didn't look especially good. Derrick Henry scored but wasn't efficient. Uh, Will Levis, eh, he was better. Not great. I, I, I There's not a whole lot to say, and, and – the, the, you know, it, it, we, as we go on, we're getting to worse and worse offensive performances here. There's, there, there is a, there, there's a bottom below this, by the way. Uh, but you know, Derrick Henry got his and not much else. I mean, Hopkins with three for 49 Chig four for 45. I mean, that's good for Chig. I mean, Spears got banged up pretty bad in this game. Uh, we'll see, check his status, but it doesn't really matter. You can't start him anyhow. And that's the thing is with six teams on by next week, you know, you're going to have to be making some, looking at some of these guys. You're like, eh, can't do it. Baltimore, Buffalo, Chicago, Vegas, Minnesota, and the Giants all off next week. Mm-hmm. We might have to make a hard choice. Do I start Tajay Spears or somebody else this week? Yeah. Yeah. And luckily it's, you know, the last week where you hopefully have to dig that deep. And uh, I, I don't know if Tennessee is necessarily the team that I'm mining for a ton of value, but at least with Chig, you know, there's probably still some believers out there and they have a good matchup against the Colts. Uh, I don't, I don't know that the Titans are necessarily capable of playing what we would define as a shootout, uh, but they're going to have to keep up because I think Indy's going to put points up in that game. And, you know, they're at Miami after that. That's another one 
uh, where you might be in some trail situations and want to look at some Tennessee pass catchers. Uh, th- this was the game that I had by far the fewest notes on uh, of, of the entire Sunday slate. I mean, Derrick Henry looked great in the first half, you know, two touchdowns. You're thinking, all right, you know, maybe this is one of those huge signature Henry games, but Tennessee did nothing in the second half. I mean, this was a game yeah. that they, they dominated despite, you know, leading by one score for basically the whole second half, but they punted on every single drive in the third and fourth quarter until they got the ball back and just kneeled it out uh, after Carolina went out on downs. I mean, it was, it was a game that they won defensively. Jeffrey Simmons was all over the place. Kind of a, another reminder game that despite Tennessee just being this kind of malaise of a franchise, like he is still one of the best defensive players in the entire league, not even just at his position. I mean, he is a complete game wrecker. Uh, but other than that, not, not a whole lot to say. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was the Titans leading receiver, but curiously only played 30 snaps. I, I don't, I, I wasn't watching this one closely enough to see if he, was banged up at all, or if they were just being a little bit conservative with him, but, uh, you know, played fewer snaps than Westbrook Aquina and Chris Moore. Yeah. Titan fever. Catch it. Um, more than seven, baby. Yeah. Panic meter and Adam Thielen. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. I had to scroll, scroll, scroll one catch on three targets. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty high. I mean, with the coaching change, who knows? Uh, Jonathan Mingo, I just mentioned in sneaky ads in the previous video they did. I, I mean, he's getting the snaps and targets every week. It seems like there's a pretty decent floor and he is part of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thielen, I mean, since like the trade deadline, he's done basically nothing. I mean, I, I have yeah. to, I haven't downgraded him enough in my, my uh, value meter rankings. Mm-hmm. I will do so this upcoming week. Cause it's, it's pretty high. I, I, I think Thielen's had one good game in that stretch. Mm-hmm. I, I actually thought this might be a good spot for him because I didn't think Carolina would right. be able to run the ball and and they weren't really able to, but they they continued to do it despite you know getting basically nothing on the ground. I mean, Miles Sanders was like under two yards per carry. He still carried the ball 15 times. Uh, I, I thought this could just be you know one of those rare games where Bryce Young is is letting it fly because he got nothing else to to, to really fall back on offensively. So I you know now regrettably told somebody on Twitter like yeah start Adam Thielen. I think this could be a good spot. Did not think he would play basically every snap and only be targeted three times. But that's that's the story of the Panthers offense, man. I mean, even even in these yeah. obvious situations where you're down, you're down multiple scores as they are in basically every game. You know, it's it's third and 11 after Bryce Young takes a sack. And, you know, you're, you're just like, all right, well, we'll just throw a four yard check down and, and get out of here and punt. Like there's just no I, I'd like to see some more risk taking, even if that results in some negative plays for Bryce Young. Like, What, what do you have to lose at this point? Agreed. Absolutely agree. I also agree that uh, the Blue Wire Network is a very place, good place to host our podcast. Here are their ads. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals, they're ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal, 
pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All right, folks. Uh, Bengals, Steelers, nothing happened. All right, let's talk Giants and uh, see and, and Patriots. No, okay. So uh, Pittsburgh, they they not only did they outgain the Bengals, they broke their uh, four hundred yard streak, uh, lack of four hundred yard game streak in the very first game that Matt Canada wasn't the offensive coordinator. This game was sixteen to ten, but it, it wasn't that close. Uh, once they got to sixteen to seven, it was all over. Actually, when it was. 13 to seven. I felt like it was all over. Bengals did get a late drive to get a field goal. You know, they had Bengals are probably, they were leading seven to three at halftime and driving to start the second half. And then Jake Browning throws a terrible interception in the red zone. And that, that was it. The Bengals had showed no life after that. Not really. I, I thought Pittsburgh, you kind of knew what the plan was going to be going in. And that was make Jake Browning prove that he's as confident as he says he is and that he can beat us. And I thought early on, you know, Browning looked pretty good. I mean, Cincinnati had a couple bounces go their way. They're like two deflected passes yep. that turned into pretty big plays. One of them was a big one to both to of the chase. Yep. Both of them were to chase. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of that luck, you know, not that it resulted in a, in a ton for Cincinnati, but some of that started to dry up in the second half. I mean, it, it got to the point where Pittsburgh just knew Cincinnati could not run the ball. I mean, Joe Mixon eight for 16 with a long of four yesterday. And I, I think, you know, they're just like, all right, we're, we're going to tee off and just, you know, keep sending heat at Jake Browning. And he only took four sacks. I thought he actually moved around pretty well, but was under consistent siege. And you just felt like if it was, you know, third and six or longer, they had almost no chance to, to convert. You mentioned, you know, the Steelers outgained their opponent for the first time this season, did it by almost 200 yards. This was the Steelers' first game with 400 yards of offense 
in their last 58 games, which is a streak that I did not know uh, was ongoing, but makes a lot of sense when you think back to how the Steelers have played these last couple of years. Uh, you know, despite only putting up 16 points, still a, a lot of improvement, I thought, overall from this offense. You know, you put up 150 yards between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren on the ground. Kenny Pickett got to 278 yards, should have had a touchdown if Deontay Johnson just kind of hangs out of the ball in the end zone. That was you know, a weird play that a couple of plays later, they ended up fumbling and, and losing out on a scoring opportunity. Uh, so I actually was pretty encouraged by the the first game of the post-Matt Canada era. Uh, thought the Steelers took more shots downfield, you know, hit a couple, missed on a few more. Uh, but you know, the other side of this too, Jeff, is I, I think the Bengals know their season is over and it's hard to quantify what that means, but we've seen some pretty serious slippage from this defense, you know, even well before the Steelers game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's, been a pretty bad defense this year uh by the way uh the it was the fumble happened immediately after the non-touchdown as the broadcasters on the game suggested that play should have been reviewed it should have been a touchdown it, it was a clear what is a catch yeah. um and i don't know if you saw the thing going around twitter about deontay johnson's lack of interest in the very next play uh, where he didn't block on the run play. He didn't go after the fumble when Warren put it on the ground. He didn't try to tackle the the recovering player. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a weird, weird sequence there. Um, it should have been a catch, I think, but that was one of the reasons why the Bengals were ahead at halftime. And, you know, the, the Steelers kind of stalled out at weird times. Uh, the Steelers ran 68 plays, the Bengals 41. This game was over like 20 minutes before every other game in the early slate. Uh, it's just because Pittsburgh was grinding it out on the ground. Uh, Bengals had all sorts of fumble luck. They got the Warren fumble, which was very late in the play. It was actually, it was really a fumble. They, uh, it was reviewed obviously because all turnovers are reviewed and it was, it stood, uh, but the fa- it bounced right up into a Bengals hands. Uh, the TJ Watt smashed Browning one time, caused a fumble and it went right to the offensive lineman who actually it went to him so well that he picked it up and ran a couple of yards. Jonah Williams did. Bengals had fumble luck in this game. They had their deflection luck that you alluded to. Um, this man, I I'm not even being self-hating. The Bengals were clearly inferior in this game, and it should have been worse than it was. And I, how could it not be too? I mean, the Bengals are in our season is over mode right now. Um, there, there's no other way. I I I feel that way uh, at least, and I can imagine some players, certain players do too. Um, yeah, and of course Pittsburgh comes to town that next week and gets to ben- benefit from that. I-, I think they might recover eventually. You know, Brownie gets more reps. He might be. He yeah. made some good throws, uh, but yeah, it- it- it's it's a pretty painful watch. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. There there wasn't a whole lot more. Uh, 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 George Pickens had the wind knocked out of him at one point in time, and then immediately right after he came back, he made a big play that set up a, a late score for Pittsburgh too. Um, and Najee Harris looked better than Warren, obviously this week, because this is the week everybody said Warren's going to go off. And so of course it was Harris that went off. Uh, also, uh, sorry, one more thing. I did have one other thing, uh, that the Najee Harris touchdown, actually, there was a hold on that play. They threw the flag and then they said there was no holding. It was a very weird sequence picking up the flag like that. And it looked like a hold too. Oh, big time. Uh, Zach Taylor was irate as he should have been. Yeah. it, It was like, what are we some teams get the calls and some teams are the Bengals. I, I will just say that. Um, the game I have the least notes for is New England and the Giants. Goodness. This was a travesty of a game. Um, the Giants 
lose by winning the Patriots win by losing. I feel like in this one here, just in the get a better draft pick sweepstakes, not that players should tank or coaches should tank, but yeah, the, the, there, there was nothing to be gained here. And thank God there wasn't overtime in this game. They missed the kick. That was just for fans sake, for TV sake, all sake. Um, just a bad game. This was as ugly as it possibly could have been. And I know there was a, there's a lot of momentum on the Pat side of things in the the betting world. You know, uh, you know, the circuit contest, that was a really popular pick. Everybody thought the Patriots were, you know, I, I think kind of just riding that, you know, Bill Belichick against an inexperienced bad quarterback narrative, which to be fair, had basically been undefeated. This was the first time an, an, an undrafted quarterback has beaten Bill Belichick in his entire career. Right. So mm-hmm. like there's, there's plenty of, of reasons to think that the Patriots as bad as they've been would be able to show up in this spot. But I mean, it was, I thought the play calling was bizarre. Obviously, you know, the interceptions for, for Mac, he was responsible for two uh, and then one bad one by Zappi that set up what, what ended up being the game winning field goal by the giants. Like those were the primary reasons the Patriots lost this game. Um, But I, I thought they should have ran the ball more than they did. And and they ran it 30 times, you know, between Zeke and Ramondre Stevenson. I I thought they were, they were, they were doing enough. You know, both guys were hovering around five yards per carry. Uh, I, I don't know why they felt that Jones and Zappi had to throw the ball as much as they did. And, you know, obviously you expect to make a 34 yard field goal at the end of the game to force overtime. And, and who knows what happens from there? Maybe the Patriots pull it out. But I, I thought they were very conservative, uh, you know, getting the ball back with with about three minutes left. And I understand you got Bailey Zappi in at quarterback. You can't take too many chances. But even on third and eight with about 30 seconds left and you have you had two timeouts at that point. You know, they ran this like half hearted reverse uh, to, to Taekwon Thornton that just had no chance of yeah. possibly getting a first down. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta try something at this point to, to try to just end this and not even take your chances in overtime because the way this was going, it's not like you felt like it got to overtime and like, all right, the Patriots are going to take over. I mean, that was going to be 50, 50, no matter what. Um, if anything, we were probably heading towards a 10, 10 tie, honestly, if that thing got to overtime, but yeah, I, I thought the Patriots were, were ultra conservative and, and perhaps rightfully so with how bad both of the quarterbacks were. I mean, this really felt like maybe the end for Mac Jones. Like, I, I don't think, you know, if, if he parts ways with the Patriots, I don't think he's like out of the league forever, but I, I think he's mentally broken right now. I, I don't, I don't really think there's any other way to put it. I mean, that was, we saw that bad pick a couple of weeks ago, you know, near the red zone against the Colts. This was the one that he threw the second pick of the game that almost was returned for a pick six, by the way, by Isaiah Simmons. I mean, it was the worst pick that anybody's thrown all year. I really think it yeah. was. And it's just, like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm like a Mac Jones believer, but this is not the guy that he was a couple of years ago, or even at times last season, like something, something is, is very, very wrong behind the scenes. And the Patriots, even when they're playing well, they've always been a team that doesn't look like they're having fun. I mean, they look, this entire team just looks miserable. Yeah. Another Bama quarterback finding out it's, life is hard when you're not, when you're not with Bama yeah. and against lesser opponents there, I guess. Um, yeah. To me, this is the play stupid games, win stupid prizes uh, game because the, the Pats were doing this whole, Oh, every. Everybody should be prepared to play. We'll give Will Greer some first team reps and then we'll cut him on Friday. Um, okay, you get what you deserve here. You know, you can't commit to a quarterback. You go half and half. This is like so dumb. 35 uh, passing attempts, 136 passing yards. Come on. Uh, you know, that, that includes the sacks, but uh, it's just, it was bad. Meanwhile, Tommy DeVito, he doesn't turn the ball over as far as like throwing interceptions. Uh, did put the ball on the ground twice, lost one of them got sacked six times, but he's been cromulent. He's been okay. And he unlocked Jalen Hyatt. I thought that was the big takeaway for me is, oh, hey, they've got this early draft pick wide receiver that's looked good earlier. Maybe we should throw it to him more often. 
All it took was, uh, you know, injuries to others. So he would get the attempts, but mm-hmm. you know, Hyatt's good. They need to use him more. I think so too. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're so banged up that I think they almost had to by default in, in this game. And we saw, you know, why he was a, a mid round pick, a guy who was a great player at Tennessee at the college level. Uh, you know, had one long one from DeVito. Other than that, just kind of, you know, nickel and dimed his way to, to 109 yards. Uh, so Isaiah Hodgins pull in the lone touchdown of the game for the New York Giants. I mean, almost mm-hmm. nothing from Saquon Barkley. If you could say one th- one good thing about the Pats, it's that they did keep him, you know, bottled up 12 for 46 on the ground, just one catch for six yards. But I mean, they, they even sacked Tommy DeVito six times, right? I mean, that's like, it, yep. he was sacked nine times last week. So he's, he's two and oh in his last two, despite taking 15 total sacks over that span. Uh, you, you just, you can't say enough bad things about this, this New England offense though, man. I mean, the, again, the interceptions were the reason that they lost this game, but neither Mac nor Zappi, completed a pass that traveled more than eight yards in the air. I mean, that, that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. It was reminiscent of like bears in week one, uh, yeah. with, uh the, the, the lack of air yards and Jamario Douglas getting hurt. Didn't help either. Right. Uh, he had a hand injury in this one had nine targets go before that happened too. Uh, so yeah, I don't, you know, Stevenson was like the only real positive Zeke Elliott actually had some good runs too, I mm-hmm. guess, but yeah, it, it's just not pretty all around there. Um, let's move on. But before we do that, quick note from our friends at Splash Sports. Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles, such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sports books, Splash Sports pits you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash to enter today. All right, uh, let's, let's hit the nightcap. This was actually... It was an entertaining game, but ultimately kind of disappointing to me. I kind of expected more offense out of this one, but mm-hmm. both defenses, it was, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a lack of execution by the offenses. I felt like it was really good defenses by both teams just stepping up for the most part there, which surprised me with the Chargers that they played as well as they did. I mean, they were helped out by Baltimore not challenging a spot and then running mm-hmm. a direct snap to Gus Edwards on a fourth down, very galaxy brainish thing uh refs were bad in this game um yeah what what was your take on this game shockingly decent game by the chargers offense like you said it uh you know they they ended up allowing you know over 350 yards but you know baltimore picked up some of those late in the game and had a long touchdown at the end uh to ultimately put this one away but i mean this was a chargers defense that a couple weeks ago allowed what 533 yards to the lions 400 Mm -hmm. yards to the green bay packers i mean i i thought this could be you know, a complete bloodbath and perhaps the the death knell for for Brandon Staley. But I thought the Chargers defense came to play. Uh, you know, L.A. missed a pretty big opportunity, I thought, to, to put a touchdown on the board on the first drive of the game. I think Baltimore holding it to a field goal at that point was uh. pretty huge. But the Ravens just looked looked a little disjointed. I think they, they obviously missed Mark Andrews, who is just such a, a safety blanket for Lamar Jackson. I mean, even in his postgame interview, Lamar, you know, got the game ball. And he's like, this should go to the defense, man. Like, we, we, we did not play well on offense. I, I don't think Baltimore felt good about how this game turned out, but yeah, the Chargers defense showed up, uh, you know, Ravens defense showed up certainly in the second half, had some big plays on Justin Herbert, you know, forced an interception, forced a few fumbles as well, two in a row now 
uh, for Austin Eckler losing a big one. Uh, you know, you mentioned Quentin Johnston earlier in the pod. Didn't have any like game losing drops necessarily, but still didn't look good. You know, got banged up, barely played in the second half. And Brandon Staley was a little bit cryptic about that. He said it was a coach's decision. Uh, so mm. I think I think the the you know kind of he got hit in the ribs. So kind of the the midsection injury combined with the fact that he's just wildly ineffective uh, meant that we saw saw a lot of Alex Erickson with the game on the line. Uh, you know, Keenan Allen got his 14 for 106, but he lost a big fumble as well. Yeah, uh, you take away the three lost fumbles. Allen, Eckler, and Herbert. I mean, your, your three best players put the ball on the ground. And this was a this is a winnable game for the Chargers. I think if you told them, hey, you're at home and you hold Baltimore to 20 points, you feel okay about your chances to get to 21 or 23. Uh, but, you know, th- this kind of felt like the official, all right, the season's probably over. We need to reevaluate game for the Chargers, who are now two and five in their last seven. Absolutely. And again, they should have been a three, a three, three point loss again, and which meant I would have gotten a cover, but instead Flowers scored on that last third down play. So many different things that could happen. But then again, I didn't deserve the cover because Justin Tucker missed a field goal that would have oh. taken it to six anyhow. Um, and the Chargers weren't scoring. The one point on the broadcast, char- the Ravens are allowing like four yards per pass, which mm-hmm. is just crazy. Just crazy how, how, uh, you know, how low that is, how low likelihood of success is Keenan Allen at his 106 yards, but it took 16 targets to get there. And because there's just nobody else. That's a real threat. Eckler is a Eckler has not, he's lost a step. And I think, you know, he came back from that ankle injury. He's came back, came back a different player. I I just don't think he's Mm. the same player right now. I think he's a half step slow. Uh, you mentioned that not scoring on the first touchdown on the first drive. That's because Herbert got blasted two steps out of bounds. No call there. Everett comes in to protect his player, gets to 15 yards. It was such a travesty. It, it, it's like, I, I can't tell you how bad an officiating job that is. You know, you see this sometimes in basketball where the ref screws up, misses a call, and then compounds the problem by giving a tech to the other side. Yeah. Um, you see that sometimes, and you see it in football too, but it's just, it, it, you know, it, it's it's doubly wrong. You, you see it in every sport. And yeah. You know, it's just so bad. And it just and then there was the later there was the interference with the punt return, whatever. That one done that wasn't a game changer. That not getting three instead of seven on that is such a huge difference in that game. Yeah, you, you said it. I mean, it was a bizarre non-call. I mean, you see that called, I don't know, 95 out of a hundred times when a quarterback takes a hit, especially you know, a non-running quarterback. You know, sometimes like, you know, Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, they don't get that call because they, they just I think refs kind of think of them more as runners, but a quarterback like Herbert gets that almost every time. And then, yeah, to compound it uh, with, with the the 15 yard flag there was was pretty brutal, and that essentially ended any chance of a touchdown for the Chargers. But they they had opportunity after opportunity in the second half. Uh, you know, you mentioned that the huge missed field goal by Justin Tucker. I mean, that one felt like a gimme. Uh, Chargers went out on downs each of the next two drives, and it was almost entirely due to pressure from the Baltimore defensive line. You know, they only mm-hmm. had three sacks on the day, but Herbert was. Constantly under siege. That's been a hallmark uh, of this this Chargers offense over the last couple couple games. And you know, I, I thought Baltimore played a really good game defensively. I mean, I think they have the best linebacker tandem in the NFL right now in Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. They both had yeah. some huge plays. I mean, even Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian oh. Clowney got into the mix. I mean, yeah. he forced uh, that. That really was the play of the game. I thought forcing that that strip sack. That's right, on Herbert. You know, because that came at the end of a 19 play nine minute drive. For the Chargers, I mean that's part of the reason that Baltimore only has twenty points is because they they barely possessed the ball in the second half when when the Chargers you know ate up almost the whole third quarter on one drive and you, you come away with no points 
not a single point, right? Even getting a field goal there would have been big, uh, but that came on a, a third and long. Clowney getting in there, sacking, uh, sacking Herbert, and then recovering the fumble himself as well. So um, not a whole lot to say on the Baltimore side. You know, I think they're still ironing some things out. A lot of people were on Odell Beckham this week, you know, in DFS, things like that. Did not have a huge week. Really didn't play that many snaps as well. Uh, we saw a lot more Rashad Bateman. He played 57 snaps. That was second behind Zay Flowers. Vastly outsnapped Odell Beckham and Nelson Aguilar. So we've we've seen this receiving core kind of, you know, ebb and flow week to week. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they just didn't like the matchup for Beckham or if he was banged up or what. But He was banged up. Uh, uh, okay, he got hurt right. at the end of that Bengals game. He got hurt. He hurt his shoulder. Uh, there was something at the very beginning of the broadcast saying he wasn't a hundred percent. Um, so that, that's probably why, um, yeah, but yeah, they do that though. I, I mean, your point still stands, uh, but OBJ was definitely banged up in this one. Plus now they have the buy, uh, they have a, this nice long stretch here with that. And they, they had a little stretch where they didn't have to play after the Thursday night game too. Um, so yeah, they, they couldn't come at a better time for Baltimore. Now they sit back and watch everybody else tear each other apart for a week. Yeah, Baltimore's in a good spot, man. Even without Mark Andrews, you know, Isaiah Likely, he was their leading receiver last night. Four catches for 40. I, I, he's still somebody I have a lot of interest in, you know, especially in shallower leagues. If he's out there, go grab him. I think there's going to be one or two boom weeks the rest of the way. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say on this game before we hit the afternoon slate, Keaton Mitchell, you know, didn't put up huge numbers necessarily. Did go nine for 64, two for 25 through the air, uh, but vastly outsnapped Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, 33 snaps for Keith Mitchell. So we're, we're moving in the right direction on that front. Yeah, and he had a couple of big splash plays. I mean, yep. that that's the thing. Even though he didn't, like, have a monster over all day, you know, he had plays that put, you know, changed the field and, you know, got them in a lot of better position there. So, yeah, I think that was pretty important. All right, we got two games left. All right, let's uh, do uh, Casey Vegas. Uh, this one was, like, two different games. You know, Vegas jumped on the Chiefs early. Uh big drive right away they were up 14 i think 14 nothing on yep. this one and then after that she said okay let's reset and they were fine and in fact this is the best the chiefs offense has looked in a while it wasn't perfect the receivers are still meh but Rasheed rice looks good isaiah pacheco got his he was a good little dfs play this week uh chiefs actually scored in the second half go figure that you know the chiefs we're talking about the chiefs having a second half scoring draft who knew uh but the Vegas is playing hard for Antonio Pierce. I'll give them credit. The Raiders, I've said it before, they're a real franchise now, uh, not just a joke of a team. They're no longer a derpy team. They're they're a team. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, despite allowing 31 points, it was still, you know, a pretty decent game overall for the Raiders yeah. and a defense that, you know, had a limited uh, version of Max Crosby. He didn't really do anything. We, we knew he was banged up and, you know, probably should have just not played at all. Yeah. Uh, you take him away from this defense and there's just, there's not a lot of above average players. Uh, or even average players on it. So I, I think to to come out the way they th- way that they did, you know, they're up 14 nothing. Casey did score twice in the second quarter to knot it up at halftime, but um, you know, really didn't put this one out of reach until late. Uh, I, I think early on it looked like, oh man, like are we going to have a, a true like disaster game for the Chiefs where we have to start talking about hitting the panic button after what we saw last week? But they got it together. Uh, you mentioned Pacheco; it wasn't a huge game for him on the ground. Like had no really no big plays. Uh, but 15 carries for 55 yards, two one-yard touchdowns uh, to put him on the board for fantasy. Rasheed Rice came through in a big way, eight for 107 and a touchdown. That was easily his best game of his career. Uh, got a good trivia nugget for you here, Jeff. Rice okay. became the first Chiefs rookie receiver with 100-plus receiving yards in a game since who in 2007? 2007. Gee, many Christmas. That's a long time ago. Yeah, This uh, guy was like a fairly big name for a couple of years. Dwayne Bow. Dwayne Bow, baby. Dwayne Damn. Bow. 
Yes. All right. Um, Bo, his career like ended like that. And I was like, wasn't he supposed to, this guy's going to be a stud. And then all of a sudden he wasn't, uh, I don't remember every, all the events that happened, but, uh, yeah, he, I thought he was going to be a thing for a longer yeah. than he was. Yeah. He had 15 touchdowns in 2010. Not that we need to go down a Dwayne bow tangent here, but 3000 yard seasons. Like he was, he was legitimately very good for some of those, you know, early 2010s chiefs teams. Um, other than that, we had the pretty obvious Travis Kelsey bounce back game. It feels like every time he has, you know, a critical error like he did last week or, or just, you know, mm-hmm. down a couple of weeks, you're just waiting for that explosive game. And by his standards, this wasn't even that big of a game, but six for 91, you'll take that, getting him back on track. Uh, but most importantly, I think, you know, the Chiefs win, the Chiefs cover. They feel like they're they're moving in the right direction. I mean, this is tied for the most points that they've scored since week three uh, when they put 41 on the Bears. This is their second highest scoring output of the entire year, which seems kind of crazy. Uh, but this is how they win games now. I mean, they are it's a defensive team that also has Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I'm still curious to see what they do to back him up uh, next year. I mean, they, they keep on spending second round draft picks on receivers, but they, they didn't add a receiver at the trade deadline. I don't know what their cap situation was like to be able to pull that off, but the cap is, is kind of not real. Anyhow, it's, I mean, yes, there's a prices you have to pay, but it's usually just in the terms of like cash signing bonuses, things like that converted into bonuses instead of salaries. And some owners are loath to do that, but they, they gotta be doing that. Kelsey's getting older. Uh, yeah. I, I, in getting more prone to injury, I would, I would think that they're going to have to uh, do something to address that receiving core. Right. So it's, it was, it was good development for that on the Raiders side. I mean, Josh Jacobs had that big long run and he generally looked pretty decent. Jacoby Myers was, was pretty good. My, yeah, Adams had his share. Uh, O'Connell got banged up a little bit in this one, but he didn't miss a play. Um, I think there was like a timeout that allowed him to come back in, or it was maybe it was a third down where he got banged up and he was in to start the next series. But um, he actually looked okay in this one. They didn't do much in the second half, but this is again, this was a decent enough team. Yeah, I think so. And you know, especially in the first half, they look frisky, they look confident, they're hitting downfield shots to Devontae Adams and, and Jacoby Myers. Uh, Devonte did all of his work in the first half, though zero catches yeah. in the second half. We we saw you know the, the Chiefs' defense buckle down in that regard, and, and same with Josh Jacobs. You know, he had the big run, I think, in the second quarter, and that was pretty much it. I mean, they they put the clamps on on the two most important players for the Raiders in the second half. Yeah, it's kind of a. I thought I was going to get a cover on this one, uh, but nope. You know, the, the the Raiders ran out of steam. They had a couple of go- turnover on downs too. Uh, to kind of put that out of reach, you know, at nine and a half, I thought that was going to be a good number for me here. And turn turns out all the, all the favorites covered this week. Pretty much. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Is it what, is it like 13 and two heading into tonight? I think. Yeah. Something like that. Three? Yeah. yeah. Won't somebody think of the poor sports books. Uh, but you know, anyways, uh, how about uh, Denver Cleveland? This is one where Denver just, they bullied Cleveland on this one here, uh, which doesn't usually happen. Denver's defense. What a remarkable turnaround this this unit has had. Uh, they gave up 70 to the uh, Dolphins. Everyone remembers that, but everybody forgets that they, they were a ticket to the Carnival in the Washington game the week before, too. Blew a big lead. You know, Sam, that was the birth of Sam Howell as like this high volume passer guy that could put up tons of yardage. Um, this is not that team anymore. They're a good defensive team. 269 total yards for the Cleveland Browns, uh, which, you know, part of it is their own doing, given what what they're what they're rolling out at quarterback right now. But right. no, you're right. Something changed. And, you know, it wasn't only the Washington game and the Miami game. You know, right after the Miami game, they allowed 471 yards to the Bears. 
and then 407 right. yards to the Jets, which I mean, that's the equivalent of like allowing a thousand yards to a normal team. Uh, <laughs> but really, since then, it was it was that Chiefs game in Week Six, which they actually lost, but they you know they played horribly on offense. But you, you could kind of tell, like, all right, you know, there, there's something brewing here because they slowed down. <coughs> excuse me, Kansas City. And since then, I mean, teams have had a, a tough time even getting to 350 yards against them. You know, even some of the better offenses that they face. So, yeah, I mean, props to the Broncos for getting the season turned around. I mean, at one point they were one and five, and now here they are at six and five. I mean, this is a team yeah. that very much has a chance to to sneak into the playoffs. And you know, if they could beat Houston next week, I, I think they'll be they'll be in the driver's seat. I mean, the, the rest of the way their schedule is not all that difficult. They have two games remaining against the Chargers who right now feel very beatable. I think at worst, you probably split those. They do have to go to Detroit, but they get New England, they get the Raiders. Uh, so really this game against Houston coming up might decide, you know, one of the playoff spots in the AFC. I, I just, I never imagined a world, Jeff, where, you know, after that Miami game and after that Jets game, I would be in a position where I'm, I'm forced to say good things and respect the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, it just shows what a reset league the league is and too how things can change so quickly uh, in season. Um I, I do suspect they'll miss Kareem Jackson against the Texans. Yes. Um, they, they, they did some head hunting against Cleveland too. Uh, they took out uh, DTR at one point in time. They took out Amari Cooper. I think they got a flag on the, uh, the Cooper hit, but not the DTR hit. Um, if I recall correctly on that one there, but I mean, I mean, some of this is the Sean Payton thing. Who can we remember bounty gate? I mean, this is, what he encourages his defenses to do. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I, I believe it. I think they were flagged on the DTR hit, but not the Cooper one, which, okay. I I had correct. You know, yeah. I, I think like, the Cooper hit, <clears throat> like the, the Browns were upset about it. There was some pushing and shoving and some jawing going on while Cooper yeah. was, was getting attended to. I, it was a clean hit. I mean, it was, it was a hard hit, but I don't think there was anything nefarious about it. And uh, x-rays are negative on Amari Cooper. So, you know, still a possibility that he misses time, but you know, we're not dealing with broken ribs or anything like that. Um, you know, it's, I, I think we maybe got fooled a little bit last week by, by the Browns, you know, playing an, an advantageous opponent with Dorian Thompson Robinson, who, you know, left this game and we got PJ Walker for a few sad possessions at the end, uh, which by yeah. the way, I felt, I fell one rushing yard short on my DTR, uh, player prop, oh, which no. I would like to think he would have gotten there had he stayed in the game, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Brown started to get a little desperate uh, during this game. You know, they, they lost a fumble on like this weird, like pitch back reverse play, to Elijah Moore that was just doomed from the start. They tried to run a like QB sneak with Harrison Bryant at quarterback on a fourth and one. They fumbled that exchange and then lost the ball as well. Uh, so the, the Browns were very much in this early on and then, you know, had a few things go against them and, you know, kind of snowballed. I mean, you could just tell like Denver's picking up confidence, especially defensively as the game went along. Uh, the Broncos have also gotten the ground game going, which not many people can do uh, against the Cleveland Browns. They've had 120 plus rushing yards in four of their last five games. Completely neutralized Miles Garrett, who was just barely mentioned if you were watching this game live. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Denver, you know, are, are they ultimately, you know, even if they make the playoffs or their team, you really have to worry about like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But they've, they found a formula here, which is run the ball, you know, somehow get this defense turned around and then, you know, use Russell Wilson in spurts, right? You know, still, it feels like 80% of the time he's just kind of out there game managing, but then every now and then, you know, he'll make a throw on the run deep to Cortland Sutton, which we had one of those yet again this week. That kind of reminds you that, okay, he's still got it in there somewhere. He's not nearly the quarterback that he was three, four years ago, but you know he's also better than your typical game manager. He's gone five games straight now without an interception, which um, I, I think it's not necessarily the plan when, when you signed Russell Wilson was to kind of use him as a limited version of himself, but it's working. 
It is. And it's, it's clearly they, they've done something there. They don't want to expose their defense as much. So they're slowing the game down. Jerry Judy got three targets, same as Mount as Marvin Mims, but uh, Samaje P Ryan is more involved now. That's just what they're doing. Uh, David Njoku had a really horrible drop in the uh, end zone uh, again this week. Uh, they did score on that possession. Harrison Bryant got it later, but they had to do like two more plays to get to it there. And it's just, I happen to use Njoku in DFS this week. So that was fun um, seeing that there. But yeah, yeah they are, they're just screening, they're running. This is what they do. Uh, the Broncos are doing right now. And it's kind of what the Browns need to do too with yes. their, to not expose their quarterbacks. But you're right. Those drives at the end were so sad. They're, they're just throwing the ball too much, man. Like, I mean, DTR threw it, what, 43 times last year or last year, last week? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Walker and Robinson combined to throw it 42 times this week. Like, I get your plan from behind, and, and obviously at some point you got to do it. But even early in the game, it's just like Jerome Ford was <laughs> ripping off yards every time he touched the ball, and he only carried it nine times for yep. 65 yards. Like, even Kareem Hunt, I thought, looked pretty good. Like, DTR, the runner, is something that it just – they weren't really using all that much. Like, it, it just felt like there was kind of a miss – a miscommunication between like the personnel and the play calling. Like they were, they were calling the offense, like it was still Deshaun Watson. And that's just, it's not going to get you very far against any average to above average defense. So um, yeah, I mean, Cleveland, it, when you're in this situation and you're starting Dorian Thompson Robinson, you got to temper expectations, but I'll, I'll be interested to see what they look like on the road at the Rams and, and Denver now heads out on the road for three straight games. And the last thing I'll say about this is, you know, as, as great as the Denver turnaround has been on defense, I mean, they are forcing turnovers at a crazy rate. 15 turnovers forced to yep. only three turnovers committed over the last four games. Like at, at some point, that's going to come back around, right? You, you can't rely on forcing three to four turnovers every single week. And, I, you know, if and when that dries up, I, I think we'll, we'll kind of need to see a little bit more out of this Denver offense. And look, that's probably going to happen next week at Houston. I think that's going to be a really fun game. And my early lean would be on the Texans there. I think this is a week that, that maybe Denver cools off. Yeah, I think you might be right about that. There, there's there been a tremendous amount of fumble luck, but also at the same time, Cleveland put the ball on the ground five times. Five times. Uh, Denver did it twice themselves. So yeah. uh, just a lot of fumbles in this game. Just an mm-hmm. odd, disjointed game. Cleveland scheduled the rest away at the Rams, home against your Jaguars, home against the Bears, at the Texans, home against the Jets, and at the the Burrowless Bengals uh, in Week 18 there. They have seven wins banked. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, they can just win. If they could go three and three the rest of the way, that probably gets them in the tournament. I think it does. And it, it might depend on which games they win, right? Because you might need that, you know, you might need a tiebreaker over a team like the Texans. Um, yeah. And then they play Houston in, in week 16. Uh, so that's going to be a huge one. Uh, but I think you're right. Three and three is the target. I think you look at the Jets game as a win. You hopefully think you could beat Jake Browning in Cincinnati in week 18. You, Probably could beat the Bears uh, at home, but that Jags yeah. game, the Texans game, those are toss-ups at best. Uh, probably games that you lose, and then uh, you know at the Rams this week, who knows? I mean, that's going to be one of the more difficult ones on the slate. Yeah, but and yet still not insurmountable. You know, no, not it, at all. They'll probably be like, you know, we'll see what who their quarterback is. Um, could be Joe Flacco. Uh, yeah, and Uncle Ted, he could be worse. It is possible for him to be worse. Trust me, I've seen a bad Flacco. You know, it could be it could be yeah. worse, especially with no Cooper. Uh, so we'll see about that one there if Cooper can play it or not as well. So lots to go there. Uh, I know you got a hoops podcast coming up quickly. Um, do you uh, want to talk anything about Thanksgiving games? Give me your two, your two minute two minute Thanksgiving synopsis here. Uh, well, let's start with Packers Lions. 
not the result I expected. You know, I, I keep waiting for this, this Green Bay team to regress back to, yep. you know, what they've been earlier in the year. I thought this would be kind of a smash spot for the Lions. It didn't play all that well two weeks ago and, you know, probably smarting a little bit with how you looked against Chicago and somehow looked even worse at home in this spot against Green Bay. Yep. Uh, but you, you got to give more credit, I think, to the Packers than anything else. Jordan Love has now played, in my opinion, his best game of his career four times in a row. He just continues to get better and better. And, you know, part of the reason I liked Detroit in this one initially was all the injuries on the Green Bay side. I mean, you're without key players at basically every position on offense and defense, and they still controlled it from start to finish. It was really never in doubt after Green Bay went up 20 to six in the first quarter, uh, you know, doing it with, with Christian Watson, you know, finally having his first true breakout game of the year. Malik Heath continues to, to, to look good. You know, Jaden Reed made some plays for Green Bay. Uh, you know, the Packers are, are five and six right now. And they're, to me, they're, they're kind of like the, Broncos of the NFC, uh, where I'm not, I'm not like fully believing that they're a, a dangerous team by any means. And I, I still don't think they make the playoffs, but I don't know, man. I mean, the path is there. Like if Minnesota loses tonight uh, to, to the Chicago bears, that becomes really interesting. We know Seattle, you know, their upcoming schedule, they, they lost to the 49ers on Thursday. Mm -hmm. They got to go Dallas, San Francisco, Philly, their next three. So, uh, you know, suddenly that the path is, is kind of there for the Packers. And I, I never thought I would say that. Yeah, I know. Um, and it's, I was stunned at this game. Uh, we did. I, I willingly ran on Thursday morning. Uh, Aaron and I did a turkey trot oh, no. um, and I picked up the game. You know, I did all my updates right before kickoff and, you know, went to do the race and I turned it on. I'm like, it's 20 to six. It's not lions. It was Packers. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, Detroit did there. This was such an odd, weird game too. There were so many fourth down fails by the lions and then, you know, they had a fumble six and all that. I mean, I, I want to just write it off, but now this is like, three games we've had to write off with the lions and that they're just, they're not quite, they're just not in that echelon of teams. No, no, they're not. I mean, especially when Philly just continues to find ways to win every week and San Francisco, you know, looks better than ever. Uh, I, I think in, in other years they would be in the mix, but I think the two teams at the top of the NFC are just so good right now that a team like Detroit that has as much week to week variance, like you just, yeah. you're not making it through that gauntlet unless, you know, Philly or, or San Francisco is really banged up. And I think Dallas is better than Detroit too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And they took care of business on uh Thursday against the commanders. I was wrong. Riverboat Ron was not fired. They just fired the defense, uh, the uh, Jack Del Rio instead, uh, that'll but do it's it. coming. Winter is coming here. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked last week on the show, you know, it's like, can, can the Cowboys really do this again? They're, you know, double digit favorites for the third week in a row. And this was as dominant of a win as they've had all year. Really? I mean, they've, they've now, you know, won those three games as big favorites, 49, 17, 33 to 10 and 45 to 10. Uh, so they, you know, kind of continued their, their streak of doing nothing but beating up on bad teams at home. And, you know, now they, they welcome in the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. And, and what to me could be another bloodbath. I think Seattle puts up more of a fight than the commanders, but uh, that's not really a team right now that you're scared to play. Yeah. Seattle didn't really put up much of a fight on Thursday night, uh, but for a pick six, this is, this game was just ugly. Seattle, I mean, they did nothing, right? I mean, the pick six is really the only positive coming out of this game. I mean, they had, I think they had like 20 yards of offense, I think, at one point in the first half, maybe even less than that, honestly. I think it was like nine yards of offense yep. uh, going into that final drive where they ended up missing a field goal. Uh, yeah, San Francisco is just back to being a wagon. Not much to say there. Christian McCaffrey got his two touchdowns. You know, pretty much everybody showed up. Debo Samuel, seven for 79. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a touchdown. Really, only had two catches, but still a nice fantasy day. Uh, you know, the only blemish was that kind of weird pick six by Brock Purdy, but, um, yeah, the Niners losing three games now feels like a distant, distant memory.
Yeah. They get Philly this week. <laughs> little hat tip to Philly's schedule. Um, you go Casey, Buffalo, San Francisco, bam, 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 all in a Crazy. row. That is just insane. And then Dallas after that, if I'm not mistaken, and Dallas before the yep. bye also. I mean, what a what a and they've lost one game. One game. Yeah. To the to the Jets of all teams. Yeah. And that's why they're probably not favored, but that's dumb. I mean, Phillies and they were well, in the Super Bowl a- last year. Not only are they not favored, oh, I guess you're talking Super Bowl odds. I mean, yeah. they're two and a half point home dogs to the Niners this week. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's which crazy. I I get it. I mean, it's like I think like the Niners, I think, are the better team, but still two and a half at Philly. No, uh, I'll be taking Philly. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that. Unless like Hertz is hurt. Um, I he's banged up, but he's not hurt. You know, and no. so we'll see. Anyhow, that that's all I got to say about that. But. uh I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and they got through week 12. Okay. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Nick is off to do NBA and then he'll be back to do Sirius XM with me tonight. So Nick, go Russo's vocal course for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get in my hyperbaric chamber real quick. Uh, you know, drink some honey and we'll be right back at it. But yeah, looking forward. If you're, if you're listening along live or you're, you're hearing this this afternoon, check us out. Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. Uh, we'll be live from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and uh, we'll be live during the first half of Vikings-Bears, which is always fun. I love doing these shows during games. Absolutely. Uh, should be a lot of fun, and hopefully have some live look-ins. If you want to check out our work, go to rotowire.com slash pod. Get a free trial. Pick up, uh, and you know, credit cards required. Just put in a valid email address, and off you go. Uh, and please remember to hit that like subscribe button. Uh, we, it really helps us out a bunch here on YouTube if you're streaming with us. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.